Today on the Abstract Truth. Do, don't ask us to pause to make you feel better. Sad. I don't care. You, you have to understand that people are mentally and emotionally exhausted and they don't have to be available to always respond to you. It is a Literally. waste of time. If you don't get it now, <laughs> you ain't going to get it, man. This is a, a, the, the, the history of the United States. <laughs> if somebody doesn't recognize you as human, then you fall outside of that definition. Oh. What bothers me is, like, I'll admit, I'm, I'm not an expert on Israel and Palestine. I, right. I know more about it because of the riot, since I've right. met her, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and, and before, I had absolutely no opinion, and now I have somewhat of an opinion, but not, I, I still don't know enough to jump into that conversation. Right, like I don't feel right. confident just blurting things out that I don't know. I'm not confident in, you know, in in the, the whole scope of the. I don't want somebody to come back at me and check me. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. So, right. so, so when so when people say stuff like that, like why are they like why can't people just shut the fuck up? Like don't say nothing. If yeah. you don't know, what? you have to. Right. When they say what, what are you mad about? When who I, says I'm mad, what? I'm mad that people are, are still like, well, right. why are they so protesting? Why are they so angry? Why, you know, what's the deal with Palestine? Whatever. Like, bro, then if, seek someone out personally. You know what I'm saying? Or, or read or, you know, educate yourself. Like, he's do doing that. Do the heavy lifting of <laughs> Bro, I got to say, if you don't want to go buy books and spend an hour, you know, reading and shit. But seek someone out personally, man. Make a phone call. You can do a YouTube and that's video. Why, right. You know, I've, I've, been, I've been so like, right. I've been so conflicted the last couple of days because I know like you guys have been having the same experience. So many white people calling me. <laughs> I've never had so many white people call me. And I find myself it, it's so conflicted, man, because there's a part of me that's like, I, I don't want I don't want to explain this to you. You don't have to. But then there's, there's, there's like, right? There's like the, that, that, that one voice I mean, here. And then the voice, and the other all. voice here. I know you have, <laughs> you've been, not going like, but then the all. other voice says to me, here, here they are genuinely asking a question. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I feel bad slamming the door in their face. <laughs> like, why do you care? I told the lady yesterday. This is our moment. Like, this is my moment of rage. Do, don't ask us to pause to make you feel better. I don't care what they say. All right. I have people reaching out to me. I got a bunch of people reaching out to me. And I'm just very dismissive. There was a time in my life where I would do all the explaining. Um, but now I'm not doing that, man. I'm not doing it because I know how this ends. Well, I know the likely end. I hope it doesn't end this way. But I, I think yeah. I know what how this will likely end. And no. we treat we treat rage and we treat the latest thing um, like a disease that flares up and we only address it when it flares up. So I know that me talking to you is a waste of time. If you don't get it now, <laughs> you ain't gonna get it, man. This is a, a, the, the the history of the United States. Right. If you don't get this, if you got a question. 
you were, you're not educated. You're not an educated person. You might be able to claim an education. You might be able to say, I graduated from this college, but you're not educated if you don't get this, mm -hmm. you I know? Think, um, I think white people think that they're racist when, you know, they're, when they use the N-word, when they hate crime. Burn across. But I don't think they realize smaller things that they do that reflect racism. Um, someone commented something on one of my posts last week, and they said, a white person, and they said something like, um, the post said something about, don't expect people of color and black people to explain everything to you, especially during such a time. Like, do your own right. research if you care. It's not their responsibility right. to stop what they're doing and educate you. So somebody and responded. The, the especially now is key. Yeah. So somebody responded and they said, oh, I realized that I do this sometimes to one of my black friends. And I didn't think it was bad. And then yeah. I responded and I said, you, you have to understand that people are mentally and emotionally exhausted. And they don't have to be available to always respond to you. Literally traumatized. Person, right. Then the person said, well, I only... When I ask, it's only for a few minutes. It's not for a long period. That's what time. they do, man. It's like, oh, uh, they're voyeurs. They're like, oh, I'm going to check this out. I want to feel this for a little bit. And then I'm going to go back to my privilege. And so the, the response really bothered me because you can think it's a few minutes of your time, but they're not, they're not realizing the impact on the person who has to explain. You know, it's like, it's like just being a really selfish person and never taking into consideration that the other person in the conversation also has feelings and thoughts and that they could possibly be exhausted and they probably are like it doesn't it just doesn't take into consideration that other people exist you know the right the thing i mean they 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 stop like like voyeurs is a good uh analogy right mm -hmm. but but they stop looking and they stop kind of caring because technically they don't have to care, right? Like, they, they don't exactly. deal with it every day. Exactly. <laughs> they could dabble. They could dab their they, toe they in the water. Dabble. You know? <laughs> and, we, and we all have, like, well, Make my screen black today. Like pop, pop, right. pop, pop. Good, I'm good. Check. We all have issues that we do that with. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think about, I don't think about, like, Palestine every day. I don't. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not forced to. Um, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't be, right? Right. I, I don't think about LGBT issues every single day. Right. I think about it more now than I used to, you know what I'm saying? But, like, that took a long time for me to get to that place. That, that was a conscious effort on my part right. to start thinking about those things and start thinking about how the things I do, Right as a teacher, as a father, as a, you know, just as a human being, you know what I'm saying? Like once, I, once like the, the kids, I started having kids and stuff and, and when my sister started having kids, I became such, so much more mindful of how I spoke about other people. Right. Because I, did, I didn't want them to pick up any biases that I might have. Mm -hmm. But then it made me reflect on my biases. And it made me, you know, why do I have those biases? And, and is that logical? And it's, you know, I did the hard work, man. Right? right. It's doable. I, but 
you have to care to do it. That's the thing. Like that's why it's care. not going to happen. <laughs> that's why it's not going to happen. Go ahead, Tariya. I'm sorry. No, I was just thinking about, um, and you know, Rob, early on, earlier, you said that you've been having white colleagues reach out to you. I've been having the same and people that I don't even normally talk to at work. And yesterday, that's why in our group text, I asked, why are people approaching me? I thought I was unapproachable. Or maybe that's just what Marco tells me. It's um, a <laughs> but something must be approachable, right? I'm getting calls and texts from people that never reach out. And I'm seeing people sign up for that anti-racist discussion next yeah. week who I don't talk to. And I don't right. know why, right? Um, so, Marco, these people are proving you wrong. Well, the reason I can't be a part of that is because it, it'll just be rage. Just be I know. Yeah, but about that you have to care. One of the teachers who signed up for that, who's our colleague, bought all the books that make white people aware. And she's, like, doing the reflections and the prompts and responding and and, and we had a conversation where she said she's going, she's really going through these uncomfortable moments. That should have been happening when she read a regular history book. I know. But, <laughs> but the first I 12 like, years of her school. If that happens now, I guess it's better that certain people, and I know it's only going to be a minority of white people, but right. that they stop and reflect now as opposed to never doing this work. Like I, like I see a genuine effort on her end of trying to undo right. her racism. That's not a bad and, thing. And, and again, going back to those two voices, right, on each shoulder, one voice is saying, is echoing that, right? Like, here's, here's people genuinely trying to learn and be better, and you should be sensitive to that. And then the other voice is saying, is it that hard? Like, is it that much work? Why is this such hard work for you? It's for so other people to be treated like a human being. For everybody right. with some <laughs> right. kind of dignity. Some dignity, that's it. I don't right. want to it like that. So, you know, that, that Matthew, whatever Matthew, the, the golden rule, that's like in every religion. Every religion. There's not a whole bunch of things that every religion agrees on. When right. You somebody like you want to be treated? That's, basic. that's everybody. That's, that's basic. basic. That's, that's Wiccans. not happening. Wiccans believe in that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. But I think, I think you guys you are You have the Wiccans all mad now. <laughs> I, think, I think you guys Even are missing the Wiccans. point. <laughs> if somebody doesn't recognize you as human then you fall outside of that definition oh so you're not point. recognized as a part of humanity right and you can't be for me to do all those things why oh man that's a like, point. for me to do right for me to do all those things to you that i do then I can't recognize your full humanity. Yes. You're like three-fifths of a person. Oh, so man. I'm not violating anything inside of me to do that to you, you know? You're yeah, kind of less than, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, kinda, that's, that's pretty much how I look at it. The other side of it is that for them to go through this process means they have to give up power. Nobody's giving up power. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's, the, that's the process. They have to say, you know what? I have to give up some of this, I don't even say privilege, this power that I have to allow power. somebody else in. Comfort. Right, comfort, power, a whole bunch of stuff I'm you're giving not, them. Nobody's I'm just choosing not willing to, to go that far. Right. I'm not if we were the, ma the majority, we would be super resistant to give that up. It's not like we're different kinds of human. We're just in a different station. If, if it was the reverse, it'd be the same right. thing. Nobody's giving up. <laughs> no, they're power. not. No, you, you, you know have what? to take it. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm not there. I'm not, I'm not in a place where... I'm going to stop my life to explain 
stuff too. My 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 lane is something different now, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. I think that we need to be dignified. Marv, your point about not seeing the humanity in other people, and they can say what they mm-hmm. want, but that's just a fact, right? Yeah. Yeah. That brown right. people are not treated like human beings in this country, right? right. It's a different ball game in brown communities, right? We're right. we're yeah. a colony in a nation. That's right. right. We're yeah, a colony sure. in a nation and we're treated like that. Right. So I think about all the time, like um, how we celebrate certain things and then, but there's like an asterisk and nobody like brings up the asterisks all the time. Right? right. So when we talk about women's suffrage, I asked my kids about women's suffrage in 11th grade, women's suffrage. Yeah. yeah. I was like, when that happened, they're like 19, I'm gonna mess up the year 20 something. Wait, what year? 1925, 1929, women's mm-hmm. suffrage, the, 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 the right for women to vote. Right, that happened in the right. 1920s. Black women weren't allowed to vote until 1964. Right. Like, that's a real thing. My, my, my mother was 14 years old. My father was 20 when black women were allowed to vote. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like women were not allowed. I don't ever say that women were allowed to vote uh, in 1925, 1929, whenever it is. I say white women were allowed to vote mm-hmm. in 1925, 1920. And then my kids are like, well, when did black? In 1964, when my mother was 14 years old. She knew cursive right. and algebra. Marco about that they should know that during history history is history taught and the history books we have is really a history of white, white nationalism yes because our kids You'll never hear that but that's a it, fact right. <laughs> but, but, but it but absolutely absolutely is because yeah. no one even questions the omissions for the most part right not even our kids until we make them aware Yes. Of they're not even in the damn story. No. But it's a story of white nationalism. You're and most right. of the books that are published that meet the schools are trying to meet the market in the South. So there are a lot of things that they're just not going to put in the books. You ask any high school student, I, I'm always doing a lesson on something, whatever, like a tragedy. Right. What's the biggest tragedy in humanity? They were like, the Holocaust. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Go to, to, a, to a person. The yeah. Holocaust. Like, can you think of anything else? <laughs> no, anything no. else you can think of. Right. 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 That's a really good point. Um, and, that, and that's not to say that, that it wasn't a tragedy. Right. 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 <laughs> Definitely a tragedy. Definitely. Yeah, right. But they, yeah, are, yeah. they have but the family fact that members. That's the only, only thing. Right. That's crazy. At the top. Off yeah. the top. Right. Off the top. Right. 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 Like example. that. Students think of that before they think of slavery before they think of other atrocities indigenous in people well, yeah, right. genocide absolutely. in yeah, this right. country yeah, absolutely you with know? similar number of deaths and higher but that's still always the first tragedy they think of um and i think it's because and i th- and, and i've thought about this before and i think what's distinguished here is that it was white people right like they're jewish but they're white they're european and All i right. think that that's that's yes. what that gives them a higher value as humans. So the other atrocities, they're bad, but they're not as bad because those people are not white. Right. Right. And, I can't think of the others, other atrocity. That's way more than uh, in Africa. There was something that happened where uh, you're talking about um, King, King Le- Leopold in yes. the Congo. Yes. Like King Leopold in the Congo. Right. And I'm, and an, I'm an educated that, person, and I right. can't come and up with that. The other thing is that. The other two things we mentioned, like the slaughtering of Native Americans and the, the slave right. trade, took place here. So we don't right. want to deal with those aspects. That's because bad PR. To deal with it, right. 
exactly. To deal with it brings up some other questions that must be answered. And we don't want to answer that, you know, a lot of times. So I think it's what Uriah said. And also, in addition to this stuff happened here and we participated in it. So we don't want to deal with that stuff. We want to gloss over and get to something, mm-hmm. get to something else. We would have to face ourselves. We would have to look at ourselves in the mirror. And that's what white people have to do in order for this to change. This could change tomorrow. If yeah. white people were so like, we're yo, not- this is messed up. <laughs> this right. could change tomorrow. Everything could change. It's ooh. You know, Overnight. not going to happen in my right. opinion. No, no you know? I agree. And there's right. a lot of... So, go ahead. I mean, for that to happen, I don't even know what... I don't know the map. I can't see the map. I can't see the... It's right behind Mark. The way to get there, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that kind of... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Marv, I would love to know your thoughts on this, right? So for mm. that to happen, right, for us to get to wherever we need to get to. Right. We need the white allies. Do we not? Yes. Um, yes, but I think we have to deal with the, I, I say first, before we even get to that point, we have to kind of deal with the white gaze within our souls. I was like, just for some reason, I'm just reading, was reading a lot of Du Bois. And when he talked about this idea of the double consciousness and that, we come out of these school systems and we see ourselves through the eyes of the oppressor. So that mm-hmm. it's tough to win until we can kind of, and Toni Morrison talked about her dedication to making sure that the white gaze was not dominant in her writing at any given time. I think that's, that's, where, that's, that's where it pretty much starts. Because a lot of times we're always kind of thinking and even like some, what will white folks think? Right. What, what, what are they thinking about what we're doing, which I think is the mistake to begin with? We have to recognize our humanity, and we do need them, but we have to start with ourselves because every movement that's moved the needle for people of color started with people of color. Right. Everybody else will join in. Like, the good thing, one thing I see about these protests is that it's, it's multicultural, unlike I've ever seen. I'm looking, I'm like, you know what, man, there's a lot of, young white folks a lot yeah a lot a a a, a lot and you know i give them credit where credit is due but i need to see this over the long term i don't want it to be like a thing like in the 60s you know you were hippies you know you were radicals now you're wearing a brooks brothers suit and you work (laughs) for bank of america right so I, i need to see that consistency over the next few weeks all the way into the election and then elections years to come. I need to see that radicalism. I, I compare it to the, the North after Reconstruction, where they basically just left black folks to the South for business reasons. And in many instances, they, they were like, they were tired of having to intervene in the South. I'm <laughs> like, damn, folks been slaves since 1619, but you're tired after like right. five years. Oh. You're tired. And you just let the South do what they wanted to do. And that's exactly what they did. But I think we have to recognize our own humanity first and not be so worried about the standards. It's trying to meet those Eurocentric standards of how to protest, you know, how to fight. I mean, my thing is that I, I'm not mad at a per- your foot is on my neck and I never want that to leave. Literally, that's literally on my happening, neck. Right. Literally happening. You can't complain as to what methods I use to get your 
knee or foot off of my neck. <laughs> the thing is, is that as Malcolm said, I'm not going to, you stick the knife in my back 12 inches. I'm not going to give you credit for pulling it out six. Right. Right. I'm not going to give you credit even if you pull it all the way out, right. you know, but that's where the healing at least begins. We can have a conversation until the knife is fully out of my back. And if it, you know, we begin to heal. And I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that something will take place, but that's going to really be on us to really move the needle. It always has been. When hasn't, I mean, I can't find the time when it hasn't been, you know? I think, I think I've also been like really surprised of how many uh, young white people are protesting alongside uh, people of color right now. I, yeah. I think I, I'm afraid that a lot of them are doing it because it's fashionable in a right. sense, right, to do so right now. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I, I always say, like, of all the genius things that the Black Panthers did, the fact that they made it cool, right, to, to be a revolutionary was yes. was genius, man. Like, the leather jackets and that, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that yeah. made it fashionable, and that brought, you know, interest from young people. Yeah, and young people always inherit the revolution, right? So, right. yes. Uh, so I don't know. I'm gonna wait and see on that. Like, uh, I, I saw I saw an, uh, a video online. You know, there's this black woman. You know, just you know the the street cops are around firemen, and she's yelling at people, and she's like, "What the fuck? You know, you guys are fucking <laughs> up the neighborhood. Right. There are people that need this." And I'm looking at the video. And the whole time, almost, I'm, I'm just trying to picture who she's yelling at because it's, it's a close-up of her. The camera starts moving. It's all white people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, She's been oppressed all her life and they're beating up her neighborhood. That's it. Yeah, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. On top yeah. of that. <laughs> right. I do think, uh, I do think like, we get distracted. Uh, it's easy to get distracted. And when you, when you have... When you have... Uh, when the protests evolve into to something else, right? I, I saw a great, like someone posted earlier today, I saw someone posted a meme that said, the protesters are protesting and the looters are looting. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, keep your eye on the, on, on the ball, right? Like, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that. And, and, and a friend of mine the other day said, well, listen, when you have a crowd that big, if there's a thief in the crowd, the thief is going to do what the thief does. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. The you losers are gonna do what they do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, they're they're gonna not gonna just stop being thieving right. all of a sudden. You know what I'm saying? Right. They're not Thibious. converting to no, right. know, Absolutely. being conscious. You know? Um I I I personally, you know, find that like like upsetting. I hate that man. I hate uh I hate seeing those things. I hate seeing businesses right. get smashed and burnt, especially small businesses. Uh, right. I say all the time, like the target has insurance. It, it's not about the target's feelings. It's not about right. the capital. It's not about the property. It's not about the TV. It's about the distraction that it creates. You know, when we have, when we have the high ground, you know, we, mm -hmm. we got to hold on to the high ground. And, There's and, no and, high ground. There's, what are you talking about? We have the high ground. <laughs> well, the high ground <laughs> in the sense that like we're, we're in the right, right? Like we're, we're the victims in this situation. Right. Right. But we can't, like, to, I think, Mara's point, we can't dictate how people rage, right? And mm -hmm. if it's, if it's you know, I'm not going to say legitimate or not, but right. there's some people that are there just to 
cause mayhem. Right. right? And right. If, right. if you're in a big crowd, there's this thing called herd mentality, and of you course. see chaos happening, you're going to join in that chaos, no matter who you are. But right. but like I've said before, bro, like there's a, to me there's a big difference between when I see when I see a cop car get lit up, when I see the police station get lit up, I, I think that's that totally in my lot in my sense of who I am, like that makes total sense, right? Right. Under any other circumstances, it would, it would be wrong, right? Right. But this makes sense. Like this, I could see the connection. I can't see the yeah. connection when it comes to just stealing a TV. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I, yeah, I can't yeah. see it. I'm I'm blinded somehow as right, to right, how right. that makes yeah. sense. You know? Yeah. I think and there's like a few things here. One of them is that um as far as the stealing is concerned, I feel like it's been such a huge focus in the last week. And I and I think that the majority of people who are going out are not stealing. And I think of course yeah, right. focusing on the minority of the people who are who are stealing. And then that mm -hmm. becomes the center of attention because now the American public buys into that. And look, these black and brown people are also stealing, right? Like they're right. ruining their own communities. But I really feel like that's just a, such a minority of the representation. And the media does that with all people of color and black people where they take, mm -hmm. and we, I'm sure we can think of a ton of examples where they take a few people from a group of people and suddenly that group of people becomes representative of the entire people. And I think right. that we should not buy into that rationale because it doesn't make sense. And there's no way that it's all of those people, right? And I think that, um, and I'm sure that we've all seen different social justice activists on, on social media showing us videos where people are protesting peacefully and not in a violent and aggressive way. That's like the majority of The media is taking, what? like making it their mission right now to represent that black and brown people protesting are violent and aggressive. Right. And what, um, sells, what sells more? People protesting? What's going to make you tune in? People right. marching and holding up signs or people breaking glass and rushing into yeah. a building and taking a team? We also have to think about yeah, right. white corporations and white media outlets. And we know that everything is well over 90% owned by white people. So I think that we really should not be one of the people who buy into that spin of the way that this is being represented. And then, like, as far as people stealing things, it's conflicting for me when I see, like, the burning and the destroying because, like, a huge part of me feels like you can't tell an oppressed people how to react to their oppression, you know? Right. And then right, there's right. another part of me who, who says, can't they destroy things that don't belong to their own people and then everything else, like there's no right. limits, you know? So it's, I feel conflicted with that one. And Mor morally, I have a problem with it, but logically I have a problem with it to your point, you know, like do why, why, why burning, don't burn your own house. But think but about the, right. the, the amount of money that people, let's, let's just say you add up all the money okay. that people, if, if they were to itemize everything that was stolen, in every building that was burned down. That, that doesn't compare to what white corporations are doing to tax dollars. Yeah. That's but, not being reported. But people, is there still going to live in these, we still got to live in these neighborhoods tomorrow, right? But the, but, but, the, but, the, but, the, but the taking away of money via tax dollars matters. Ghettos don't exist. If it does, but no one's saying are, it doesn't. No right, one's right, right. saying it doesn't. But I'm saying, like, 
I don't, I don't, that, I don't, that doesn't bother me at all. Like the looting and the rebut, that doesn't bother me at all because I know who the real looters are. Right. Not only the that, the money that is though, looted no. from our tax base, doing things that none of us agree with. And none, I'm saying none of us here and the vast majority of Americans wouldn't agree with the way we, we use money. We've right? all been looted. Right. And looted to the 10th. When, when I say all of us, I mean, you know, white every people, single everybody. American. <laughs> every right. Single every single American. Yeah. Right. White yeah. people that make $250,000 a year don't realize how much closer they are to a poor person than they are to a billionaire. Right. right. No. And that's, it's and not that, even and close. that's the thing. But the one, the one other thing, I, two, two things. Let's not forget the agent provocateurs that don't look like us that are setting a lot of this stuff on fire. Not to, you know, but the other side of it is that never having to live in such, in, 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 in such, in such conditions, there are some people who le legitimately feel that the conditions that I'm living in aren't worthy of standing anyway. In regard, in regards, in regards to those particular conditions, I would rather burn the shit down than to, than to have it have it stand. Because even though we say these are the places that they live, who owns those buildings? They still right. don't own those buildings. Those That's are right. owned by slumlords that basically right. rape 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 the people. But I but I but I do get but I do get the point as what's the rationale. But again, I keep going back to. What's the rationale of you killing a man and keeping your knee on him for eight minutes? And oh, that's that awesome. rage is pent up rage. That's not just that incident. Right. That's, that's years and years and years. And at a point, that's no longer rational. That's not, you can't control that particular rage. And if they wanted to control that rage, they could have done that many, many moons ago by simply doing, doing the right thing not hoarding and raping the community and as rob you said you know gentrifying mm -hmm. and forcing those people out you know mm -hmm. the thing is is that i'm not going to continue to ask the oppressed to no not let the oppressor continue to define mm -hmm. what liberation means or the means and stop oppressing people you know get it, your foot it, off my fucking it, I, neck and i totally right. understand that i i, I really right. do you know my my thing is like Again, I, I don't I don't want I don't want to be misunderstood here. Like I don't right. I don't care so much about the property, right? right. Or or the TV or whatever. You know, mm -hmm. it's because the way I see it is if, if you if you are if, if the person who stole a TV today, right. under these circumstances, would have stole it last week. Would it's gonna steal it next week from from you? You know what I'm saying? We have issues in our neighborhoods. You know what I mean? Right. Every neighborhood does. Every neighborhood right. does. Every neighborhood. Right? Right. They're thieves in every corner of every society. Absolutely. Right? So I I guess I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I get these moments where when something bad happens on TV, where there's like a school shooting, a mass shooting, or whatever, I have this moment of man, don't let it be us. Right. Don't let it be us, man. Don't let it be us. Don't let it be someone that's gonna make it even harder for me tomorrow, you know? And right. I, I, I get that same feeling like, 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 dude, like, don't, this is not the time. You know, this is not funny. the time. Yeah. That kind of reminds me. Like, when is the right. time? Yeah. Well, Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> no, no. Well, 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 in a sense, well, well, in a sense it is. What I find problematic is this idea. And Tony Morrison talks about it, that 
again, we're still talking about, and, and I'm just going to read what she basically, it was, a, it was a speech, and I put my glasses on, I'm getting old, huh? In 1975, <laughs> got to throw them on now. She said, the very, the very serious foundation of racism is distra distraction. It keeps you um, from doing your work. It keeps you from... It keeps you explaining over and over again your reason for being. And, you know, and so that, that kind of, and it says that, you know, somebody says you have no language and you spend 20 years trying to prove that yeah. you do. And my thinking is that ultimately what happens is that we're trying to explain or keep a moral standard that the, um, that, that, that the, that the people that oppress us are not trying to keep. It almost reminds me of a, of a, of a, of, of Jesus talking to the rich man saying that it's easier for the, what did he say? That it's easier for an elephant uh, to get through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. Right. And the rich man just says, I right, peace brother. And you know, keep, keeps, keeps, keeps their read. So sometimes the very text that we honor in many instances are used to keep us almost docile in terms of, in terms of morality until, until, since. until we come along and define those principles for ourselves, and say, wait a minute, as opposed to being docile, we're going to look at some of the other texts in the other book, translate it for our benefit, and use it as, you know, as they, as they did in the 60s, as a revolutionary theology. That's kind of like the way Reverend Barber sees it, that yes. the scripture wasn't meant to keep people docile in an oppressed situation. It's used, you know, look at Jesus as the revolutionary, mm -hmm. yes. not just to turn the other cheat dude, but the dude that turned over, you know, the, the, the tables and you know, the right. money, the tables of the money changers. So I, 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 I see your point, Rob, but I just don't want to let the other folks off the hook because I keep saying that if it's not for you, then we're not in this situation to begin with. And even those folks that were still, they had plenty of opportunities to steal, but, my thing is that what kept them from stealing, living in poverty and stealing all along? They were just kind of the opportunity presented itself and those folks just kind of right. went. Now, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it at all. But at the same time, I'm like, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm at the place where I could understand that at, at, the, at, the, at, their, at the level where they're at. But Well, I, said, I mean, I'll, I'll pose this question. We're all, we're all, we all have sons here, right? Right. All four, all four of us, right? right? We all have children. What would we tell our children? If, 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 if they go out, I mean, my, my children are still young, but, you know, uh, they're getting older every day. Right. But if, if they're going out, I would never tell my kid not to go protest. Right. Uh, and, and I would hold my breath every moment they're out there if it, if it became violent. Exactly, yeah. But but all that I could kind of wrap my head around. Mm -hmm. Like none of that would bring me shame, right? If, if my kids right. were out there protesting, even in harm's way, there, there's something honorable about that, right? For me, right. right? If 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 my kid stole, we can't. If, if they if they like purposely <laughs> hurt someone else. That that would bother me, man. Like, what would you tell right. your son? What would you tell your son? I know from like experience, like having been in protests in the '90s and all the way up to 2000s. Right? Mm -hmm. I remember during Occupy, 
I, I was a grown man. I was 30 something years old. And I made decisions that right now I would not make. Right. And I knew better. And it was because you're caught up in this rapture. There's a energy in a protest. You have thousands of people mad, right? That's energy, right? Mm -hmm. And if those thousands of people saying Occupy, the way it worked was you had to vote for everything. There was a people's mind. Somebody be like, yo, let's go to, let's, let's break what the cops are telling us to do and let's do this. And there was a vote right there. And if the people won, we're doing that. Right. <laughs> and that's what we did. We're like, okay, F it. We're going to go. Boom. And we go there. Now, if that same energy and you're in the midst of that energy says, you know what? Somebody broke a window. Man, listen, think about it when you were a kid. Things that you didn't, you wouldn't ever do. Oh, hey, somebody hey, broke hey. a window. You're like, oh shit, everybody's running in that thing. Like, I'm going to, you know, right. you can't, you're not rational. You're not a rational but actor. But in those moments, even, even when you were, you were in the middle of that. And, and, and you can look I back and say, maybe I, 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 there was a moment, because I've heard this story before, Monty. You told me this story before. There is a moment where you're like, all right, there, there's that line I'm not crossing. You're right. No, no matter no, no, how no. passionate you are about the moment. No, no, right? no, no, no. I'm saying if everybody in that moment, and this didn't happen, but if in that moment, hundreds of people, just hundreds, right? Or maybe like, 30 people that you're around, right? Because you're not around everybody. You're in this small pocket. And, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's, again, thousands of people marching. And in your little circle, chaos ensues, right? Mm -hmm. That herd mentality, that's a real thing. Absolutely. It doesn't, you're not thinking like a rational but, but how do, but, Right, but how, how do you, right. But then the day after, right? Right, right. How do you feel about that? Like, what conversation, are, about how what, I conversation, feel about it. what conversation are you having with your son the day after? I get it. If he went and did that, I'm like, yo, man, I totally get that. I because I remember that energy. I remember that energy to this day. Right, but what's that? So, so the conversation is it doesn't like, make it not wrong. It's wrong. Hang up the TV. Yeah. <laughs> right, and that's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah no, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely, it's wrong. I give you an example. I mean, this is going back to a Howard homecoming, going back to 1980, 87. You know, they had a, they had a party in, right, way back in the day. <laughs> had a party. Soraya, were you born then? Just checking it out. <laughs> he was crawling. She was crawling. Oh, you were crawling. The Mets won the championship. We're you got to get a sweater. They have a party <laughs> in this sweater. mall. We're at, they had a party in this mall, literally a party inside of a mall. And... We couldn't get in. It was twenty dollars to get in, and we basically wanted to get in. So all we hear are people yelling, "Yo!" They kick the door <laughs> in the back. Everybody instantly just goes wrong. Margin. And we just ran in there. Might meanwhile, one dude is like, "Yo, my girl fell," and we had no thought of just jumping right over his girl. Step on her say, face. Yo, wait. Let them yeah. pick her up. Everybody was just over her. <laughs> and I think about it now, but at that moment, hey. we were just trying to get in, hey. inside. There's an energy, adrenaline, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Just happening. having a party. Now, was it wrong? Yes. Shucks, absolutely it was wrong, you know? <laughs> but all the women that were inside of there, we weren't thinking about that. We saw the girls going in. You ought to do get in. But that no, Big Daddy King song it, was on. You got, <laughs> <laughs> you got to dance to this. 
Absolutely, you got to listen. You got to go. You got you got to go in, man. But I, 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 I don't. Be, I don't believe long. it was twenty dollars to get in. That, that sounds like a high amount for that like time. Six. That's six hundred dollars right now. Yeah, but yeah, but, it, but it's but it's Howard. It's, it's Howard's Howard's homecoming is the homecoming for all black colleges. So everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes to Howard's homecoming, so it's easy. Are you about that price? There was a. I'm going back to a party in eighty. <laughs> on New Year's Eve, they charged seventy five dollars to get in in nineteen eighty five because it's four G's right now. It's New Year. It's Everybody's there. <laughs> Everybody's in there except Morehouse is there. Spelman. Right, yeah, right, absolutely. Everybody is at Hillman. Step yeah, right, I can yeah, see yeah, this. I saw this on two two seven. I saw this on a different world. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, that's for sure. Crazy. I wouldn't pay seventy five dollars now to go to a party. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I remember. I remember being in high school, getting mad. Like, man, Hillman's not a real college. <laughs> <laughs> Robert's trying to sign up. <laughs> I'm trying to go to Hillman, man. You want to be the light oh, skin yeah, dude? Oh yeah, go, go to go to yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be Marissa Tomei. <laughs> I go to go to go to Hillman. <laughs> oh man. I, Find Absolutely. my Denise. <laughs> oh yeah, find Denise. Right? <laughs> it, it, it's funny. That you may, I'm thinking about a different world. I saw a clip earlier today from like Family Matters, which was a sitcom in the 90s. Uh, I, 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 I think about the Cosby show all the time from the 80s. And, and I, I remember all, like, all the sitcoms always had like a special episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, right. And they had like you know, about pedophilia, right? Yes. Right. Dudley and his whitey tighties. At least one. Right. They all had at least one. <laughs> <laughs> they all had at least one about like racism. And it was to be continued right, yeah. always. And I, and I absolutely. and I feel bro, I, I feel almost silly, man. I feel almost childish to to think back to those days and, and, and think honestly, genuinely think. Because I was like, you know, a little kid. I was a preteen, like, you know, watching these shows. Right. And and thinking, you know, things are gonna be different down the road and my my son last a day after all this really starts hitting the fan my last friday my son turned 11 years old right i i spent the last you know couple of months and i hate birthdays man i'm not somebody who who likes to celebrate birthdays i don't believe in birthday parties and things like that i'm like a scrooge in that sense right but i was looking forward to this birthday Mm-hmm. him turning 11 because he's starting to let go of some of the boyish things that he was into and he's starting to get you know these new interests he wants to talk to his friends more often on the phone uh he thinks he has a girlfriend he doesn't i checked his phone he don't you know he just has <laughs> wow he has a friend that's a girl that right. is desperate for attention right like she so he, he he's he's i could see the man right starting to come down the street He's emerging. Right. And, I, and I've had like all these Cosby talks with him lately. Right. Mm-hmm. When, when uh, I, I talked to him the other day about his big brother powers and, and, and the example he needs to be for his older sister and, and the protector. And, and, and you know, when, when I found out about the girlfriend thing, I, I talked to him about just uh, respecting a woman's feelings and, and, uh, and being honest. And we had the, you know, all these conversations. That most parents have. Right. Right? And he's turning into that big boy. 
on Friday, his one of his friends come to the house and they're talking outside. They just want to wish him a happy birthday. And he comes back inside and he asks my wife and I, can I go to their house? And, and this kid lives around the block. Mm-hmm. We both look at each other and we say no. So for some context here, for you guys know me, but for anybody who's listening who doesn't know the circumstances of my life, we live we, uh, in, in a predominantly white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I'm Latino. My wife is Latina. My daughter's la- Latina. My, my son is half Latino, half black. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, I'm not only afraid of what could happen to my 11-year-old walking down the street, that a common fear amongst parents, you know, is, 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 is he going to get kidnapped or, you know, whatever. Right. I'm also afraid if he goes to this house, makes it safely to this other house, what is he going to overhear? Mm-hmm. How is he going right. to be treated by these parents? How is he going to be received? Because that, from experience, all those memories of when I was a kid, and I interacted with my white friends and their families. I remember how they made me feel less than right. and oh, wow. different. Yeah. And, and my son, at a, in 2020, 11 years old, a happy, joyous day for me, his birthday. I'm so angry that I even had to think about those things. Right. Yeah. And I, and I right. feel silly looking back and saying, I, thought th- I actually thought things would be different by now. Right. I actually thought I, I, I had a good chance of never even having these conversations with him, you know? And I don't even know how to have these conversations with him. Right. So more like, about taking I'll, away I'll, their, right. You have an older boy. son. That, yeah. And, and, and Martinez, your, your son is older, you know? So I don't know if you've had these conversations with him yet. Oh, yeah. We do. Right. Plenty. The Ryan Plenty. and I have very young sons. Like we don't, I don't know how to even have this fucking talk. It like right. takes away from the innocence of the child when you have these conversations. Um, right. Ziad is the same age, I think, as Jordan. Mm-hmm. And we talk about police and we talk about police brutality and we talk about racism. And I mm-hmm. try to be very open like about current events, anything I'm reading or watching. And he says, oh, what is that? And I am open with him. I answer his questions. And I see like the innocence like shedding away from him. Like the other day he made a comment to someone and he said, well, you know, you know how white people are racist. And he was saying something and then he stopped and he said, okay, you know, it's not all of them, but it's a lot of them. And I feel like, you know, for 11 years old to like know this truth, um, it's a lot, it's heavy because I know most of his teachers are white and a lot of people, of course, that he interacts with are going to be white. It's true to him because it's true to you. Just like right. racism is true to little white kids because it's true to their parents, right. you right. know, like they, it's yeah. just like a, it comes off of the parents, you know, yeah. and the way that you felt Rob as a kid, knowing not by what they said, but how they made you feel. Right. And I was having a conversation with teachers yesterday. Our students are the same way. Like mm-hmm. I remember being a kid and knowing like this, something's wrong. Even if I didn't have the language to say, this is yes. what this is. I knew you looked down on me. Right. Right. And our students, and I'm saying our kids, I'm saying our students, our students know this as well. Like, and we've had conversations before, Mm -hmm. you know, and they say, yeah, yeah, that person is this, right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, and I think we don't, 
we don't have those conversations with our kids enough. And I'm talking about our students now, right? right? Because we feel it's outside the bounds of the curriculum or whatever, you know, but it's needed. If we're not going to do it, who's going to do it? Absolutely. Who's going to have these conversations with them? You know? Yeah, I, 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 I posted, I posted uh, that story I just told to the Google Classroom yesterday. And, and and invited my my students to just react. Mm-hmm. Like, what are your thoughts? I got issues. I, I've I've gone through. I listed some things that that made me feel less than when I was a young kid and as I was growing up, and all the way up to things that happened last week. Right. And and I explained to them the situation with my son. And 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 man, I'm telling you, yeah, to read their responses, it it gets me choked up. And I'm not somebody who gets choked up. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm as cold as they come, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I read it, and, and it's sad that they're all. My students are like 15 years old. They're all experts at this already. Yeah, they've had this talk already. Right, they've been down this road already, and 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 almost to a man. There's there's some students that are like you know, uh, give it a while. You know, it's a, it's a delicate situation. You have that. And then you have students like, yo, man, brutal truth. Just give him brutal truth. Right, yeah, yeah. Because he's going to find out. Right. And they're absolutely right. When you find right. out the hard way, straight, no chaser. No chaser. <laughs> right. Is, <laughs> man, yeah. that those, those feelings, like I think about them now. And, and that anger, those feelings of inadequacy that, that people gave me, that's still like right there mm-hmm. on the surface, man. That shit never goes away. Right. You're waiting for it. You're expecting it everywhere you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I hear 100%, that. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It, it, ter- it terrifies me in a sense. I can't believe I'm, you know, I even have to use that language. It terrifies me that he has white friends. Mm-hmm. And, and I ain't going to lie. Same. And part of, part of me <laughs> is like, I don't, I don't want to burst his bubble. Like, I don't want to poison what could be a very genuine friendship. Mm hmm. Right, right. With, yeah, with, with I, this dose of reality of what it is, you know what I'm saying? In life, in society. It's interesting because my son went from a, I mean, because I have a pretty big family. So he goes from being around pretty much um, black kids and in the neighborhood I live in, you know, pretty much um, basically Latino kids. So that's, and then when he goes to his first, first school, he went to Passaic, but then he goes to um, St. Philip which is pretty much multicultural. But at the age of, but we've had, we've had these discussions, but the good thing is that he sat around my friends and I, or my brother and my mother, just to hear these conversations take place. And so at a very young age, he was able to kind of pinpoint, yeah, there's something up with what that teacher basically said to me. Then he moves to basically an all white neighborhood. With, with his mother, they move up to uh, Whippany, uh, New Jersey, 80 West. Then he gets out there and he's pretty much maybe one or two uh, black kids there. But I mean, he has such a personality where everyone gravitates to him anyway. That's just his personality. But then he would say to me, you know, when he, he said, you know, I'm tired of just being that one, you know. Right. This is in the seventh grade, the one that you got to look to for black stuff. You know, right. you have to look to for an explanation. 
You got to, you know, you got to get them in there. He said, he, said, I got, he said, I get tired of all eyes being on me mm-hmm. all the time. And he had to do that from seventh grade, probably up until the 10th grade until he went, came back to forsake. But he was always here. So he was always able to kind of get um, re-energized by coming back to Pasek, to right. the community, and playing with friends. But he noticed it very early on. I remember I would take him to see a bunch of movies. One time, in fact, he was <laughs> his punishment was <laughs> he had to watch the whole series of Roots. Damn. That, four that, hours. Was, that was his... But right, no, no, but there's like you have Roots, and then you have Roots the second generation. Oh, right, so it's right. literally six <laughs> plus eight VHS tapes that he watched. But you know what? After VHS. a while, though, it wasn't a punishment. We'll explain that to you he later. He was just right. looking right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it. Right. Yeah, VCR. It was a he machine. Was, we could, I, I couldn't stop putting in the episodes for him. He was like, so very early on, he, you know, was aware of what happened to Emmett Till. So he was getting a lot of that very early on. And it wasn't necessarily formal talks. It was just a lot of literature and things that he heard and things that he right. saw. By the time his mother wanted him to go to a workshop given by Black and Latino police in Passaic, he went and she said, well, well, how was it? And he said, well, it's just a recap of all the stuff my dad and I have uh-huh. talked about over the years. Right, right. You know, these are things that I know. He said it was a good refresher course is kind of like what he said. But so, yeah, it's... It, good. No, go ahead. Finish the thought. No, I said, but the idea that... I was thinking about that this morning, that the idea that I have to have these discussions, though, you know, with them. And as Harai alluded to, just... It's almost like you feel like you know it's a must, but it's like you're snatching an innocent. They just can't be kids. Right. They right. just can't be kids, man. There's so, been a couple of uh, videos out, and pretty popular, the one where you have the generations of people like yelling at each other about how do we create this change for this like next generation. You have somebody right. who's like in their maybe early 40s, mid 40s, talking to mm-hmm. somebody who is in his like maybe late 20s, and then there's like right. a 16 year old kid there. Right. And right. They're just trying to, you could see the anger, you could see the frustration, you could see, you know, the, the, the seeming lack of progress from the older guy. He's just frustrated. He, he, wants, every, right. he wants to burn it all down. Right. He's right. kind of where I was last week. Like, just right. none of this matters. Just, let's just start yes. fresh, you know? Right. Then you have the younger guy saying, we got to do this and this and this and strategize. And then there's um, uh, Dr. Peniel Joseph had this uh, panel discussion with four generations of black men and talking about how yeah. growing up in America was for, for them and their perspective, which was very uh, enlightening. What do you think is the solution? <laughs> right. What, what, yeah. what can you envision being something that will, would work? Because this is happening now. And right. are we going to, do, do, do we see this being like a, a pivot? We're going to pivot to something else. Is it mm-hmm. going to be the same? What, what are your thoughts about the future? And what? And if you have an idea of what anybody, if you have an idea of what can be done, right? For Referring to the change to, to the conver- to, to the conversation that you were in regards to the, the three generations of gentlemen having that discussion, 
And I remember the, the, I guess the guy that was in his thirties telling the younger guy, you got to do this different than we yeah. did because it didn't work. But I guess for me, I was lost because I'm like, where's the intergenerational communication where you pass mm. down the lessons to the, to, to the next, to the next generation. So I think about like Martin to Stokely. Stokely was able to see, you know, well, let me throw in Ella Baker as well. Trained by Ella Baker, tutored by Martin Luther King, you know, motivated by Malcolm X. So you have this intergenerational communication going on where he's learning these lessons. So he takes those lessons that he gets and then he takes it to the next level in terms of what needed to be done. What I saw missing in that conversation is you can't just leave it to the generation to come up with stuff without them understanding what's already been done. Because then the next generation just spins their wheels like the 30-year-old felt that he did and the 50-year-old, I guess he was almost a 40-year-old, felt he was spinning his wheels. So there has to be somewhere culturally where we have this intergenerational communication to discuss the struggles that have taken place, kind of like where we've been, and begin to chart a path to where we're going to go. But the other thing is that leadership has to be willing to let go of the reins. Some of our leadership in black and brown communities want to hold the reins until they die. Mm -hmm. You know, to the grave, they're still trying to, because all they know is I was a civil rights activist and that becomes their whole life as opposed to tutoring the next generation they basically just continue to hold power right so the next generation is frustrated because no one passed the lessons now then they hold power but i think at some point i think it all it, it, it absolutely it absolutely begins with us you know and i don't think there's any negotiations with white folks until people of color really come to terms with who we are because as long as we negotiate from a, a from a position of powerlessness why does anybody ever have to deal with us right you know there has to be like it has to be a threat to to your to the other side's livelihood and that doesn't have to be a physical threat it just simply means that either you're going to deal with us or we're taking all of our marbles and we're leaving, which is going to make this whole thing collapse. I believe until they're able to feel that, then nothing's going to really change. And that's the only thing that not only will that make change, but it protects us. You mm-hmm. can't come to a negotiating table weak. So there's some we, we have to begin. And I don't want to just say pooling our resources together because that's part of it. But we have to go back and revisit. Okay, where do we, where do, at what point did we get off track? Because we have to go back to that. Mm-hmm. And I think that we got off track by thinking, number one, that sitting next to white folks meant that we made it, that that <laughs> was going to do something. We have to go back to revisit that because we thought that just by integrating that we would be next to the resources, not realizing that, no, you can be segregated even in an integrated situation. Your children can be right miseducated. Right, exactly. Your children right. can be miseducated sitting aside a child that's being educated. So we have to be, <laughs> go back and revisit, revisit those things. Well, I always say that, I tell this, my students that, 
you can sit in the classroom, same lesson, one child is being taught about how powerful he is, and one child is being taught in the same lesson how weak they are. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of maintains the status quo. But we have to go back to revisit where we got off track. And I think that, and I was reading this article, and it was actually written by a white woman, really good article where she talked about, you know, the nonviolent movement that was put forward, those nonviolent movements never benefit the masses of people, and they didn't. They worked to get middle class, black and brown people into positions by simply saying, look, we can control those folks out there, but you got to let us in. So we have to go and redefine, and I think, like, Marco, you talk about the idea of democratic socialism. Somehow we're going to have to go back and begin to look at something such as that where we say it's more about the whole, not just having some black and brown faces in high places. Right, we can't be happy with that. that, Right, we have to go back and rethink this thing from where we got off track. Right, right. I like the idea of, I mean, I think that we need to... To, to hop off what you said, there's got to be a sense of like dignity put into brown kids, you know, because right. they're not getting it. And, and, and we, we have to be responsible for that. We can't. We have to give it to them. We can't. Right. Yeah. We can't depend on schools to build them up, you know, Absolutely. and teach them. What was interesting about reading that last book that we all read together, The Cross and the Shield, was my I had no idea about uh, Malcolm X's father and the influence he had on him at a young age. Right, mm-hmm. so we know about Martin Luther King's father and how he was brought up, mm-hmm. but Martin Luther, uh, Malcolm X, same thing. I don't think without that experience as a kid, I don't think we have a Malcolm X. Right. You know? So if you're not having those conversations in your house, you know that there, there's going to be a, a gap in knowledge mm-hmm. if you're just expecting the school system to teach your kids about history. You know, right. um, so I think we need to do the work as parents mm-hmm. of educating our kids. Um, because the education they're getting is not the education that is going to build them up, right? right it's an education right. to teach them how to blend in yes. to somebody else's normal. How to be tolerated. Yeah. Right, how to be tolerated, how to be one of the good ones, <laughs> you know? Right, um, right. Yeah, yeah. So educating our own kids, I think that we have to do a way better job of choosing our leaders, right? We have leaders that are brown, but they're not doing work for brown people. You right. know, if we look at our situation right now, we have a senator that's up for a primary and mm-hmm. he's tough on crime. That means right. that he's incarcerating brown people. That's what that's code for. And that's why white people vote for him in droves, right. you know, because yeah. he has this tough on crime stance. And he'll say what he's saying now is I'm, um, I'm a reformer. Right. And that's what he's calling himself in the in the latest primary. He said that's what that was the language he was using. I'm a reformer. But the receipts are plentiful in Newark. If you talk to people in Newark about Cory Booker, it's not good. Right. We know what he did on crime. We know what he did with education. He sold everybody out. Right. Yeah. He is. He might as well be a, a white politician working for big business. Right, because right. that's what big pharma. Same thing. He's the worst. I don't know how anybody's voting for this. too. Anyway, he's being primary. And by somebody who is about this work and has been about this work, but nobody's going to vote for that person. So we need to educate ourselves as voters and, and we could vote for that person. And that person mm-hmm. is not going to win because the system is not built that way for that person to win against right. a standing senator. But once right. that senator gets reelected, 
that all those people, all that energy has to start pushing. Has exactly. to start pushing uh, Booker in a different kind of way, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so I think we, we need to get political and we need to galvanize that energy and use it politically. You know, I really feel like for, for us, man, like there's so much our parents didn't teach us, you know, in, in, in terms of voting, finances, the things that they didn't even know. You no, know, my, and, they, and they couldn't. Your parents down. like my parents. But we know better. Right. Yeah. right. And, I, and I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm, I, I can say this confidently. Like I, I didn't learn about politics and voting and the power of my vote because my parents lived in this country illegally for a little while. And, and there was this culture of flying under the radar right. and don't be noticed and don't make waves. Don't draw attention to yourself, you know? So we need to let that go because we may not realize how much of that we internalized, right? And we can't pass that on to our kids. I, I'm not as optimistic about, you know, the future um, as I want to be because I feel like a lot of the hard work that we need to do needs to get done. And I, I'm confident that'll get done. But so much of the hard work has to be done on the other side of the street, right? Like white people need to do the hard work in changing the cultures and, and, and norms of their lives. Uh, during that birthday party I was talking about earlier, my, my neighbor's kid, a seven-year-old white kid, kind of invites himself, <laughs> right? Like he just kind of comes over and he's mingling around everybody what they else. Do. That's what they do. They take the colonize. It's in the blood. <laughs> and, and he invaded and, your land and for his mom i'm sure like his mom had no for her it wasn't like we don't have permission we weren't invited she was like yeah go ahead and go crash the party right <laughs> so we're in the party and my father who has <laughs> my father who has up. like a heavy accent right my father says to the boy in english says hey man do, do you want a hot dog do you like the hot dog the kid looks at my father, stares at him for a moment, and says, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> wow. Are you kidding me? That's what's no coming way. down the pike, man. That's wow. what we're looking forward to. <laughs> That's what wow. we're looking for. That's why I have to have the talk with my son. That's why. Because that's coming down. That's my daughter's generation. That's the future. That's your daughter's prom date. That's the fucking future. <laughs> oh, okay. God forbid. Jeez. Uh, that's, that's crazy. You want to see a riot? <laughs> let, let that come to fruition. <laughs> he, he, told, he, he told my daughter was wearing a very beautiful dress the other day, a nice yellow dress on a warm day. The kid looks at it and says, oh, that's a pretty dress. My wife says, go home. Get the fuck out of here. Out of here. Damn. No way, man. They're coming for our, they're coming for our queens, man. Yeah, no way. Man. No way. No way. <laughs> oh, no. He's spitting game already, setting it up. You'll have to think about when your girls are especially in college. That'll be. Stop it. I'm kind daughter's of going to help me. I, I always say, I always say, I have the plan, though. I have the plan. The key, the secret, the secret is we have to teach our daughters to dance and to love dancing. Ah, I like love this. it so much. That they will, <laughs> the antidote. They will never bring that kid home. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they ain't trying to do the two step. The two yep. steps, salsa. Yeah, <laughs> they gotta love salsa dancing. Right. <laughs> like you're not picking that up in a weekend. That's the key, That's baby. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I don't. Um, I like the points that Marv gave about um, people of color and black people uniting with each other as a step forward, and about communication across different generations. And then, uh, Mark, your point on voting and being more active politically. But I also, um, but at the same time, I'm not very hopeful about change. And I think mm -hmm. that's only because I feel like in order for that to happen, there has to be a shift in the power. And I don't see white people giving up their power. Right now, the most that I can see is that white people trying to sympathize with people of color in 2020 but I don't know how it's much crazy. farther that sentence is crazy. That. Maybe, and this might sound horrible, but maybe at the very most, some white people who are a little aware will pick up a book or two, you know, maybe they'll feel a little guilty during these few weeks and then everything will shift back to the normal, which is no that reading. color. Yeah. <laughs> or, um, are we doing the Hail Mary segment again? <laughs> <laughs> Best case scenario in the perfect world. Well, no way. I think that this is maybe the most that's going to come out of it with them is that you see that some people are trying to make a little bit of a shift, but I'm saying that I don't think it's going to go farther than that. I don't see people shifting the power. I don't see representation of our kids in public schools in this country. Um, so I'm not very hopeful as far as any changes are concerned. And yeah. the schools or the government or the media um, or the military or the police or in any of these organizations that are predominantly run by white people. Mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So we're fucked at the end of the day. Just yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. I hope everybody has a great afternoon. Thank you for listening. Good <laughs> <laughs> night. <laughs> So it's over. Today's episode was sponsored by Xanax. Xanax. <laughs> oh God. Oh, and man. razor blades. And razor blades. I'm gonna take that part out of the razor blades. No, no, no. <laughs> Xanax and razor blades. Yeah. That should be the name of this podcast. That's it. Right? Um, I I went over this book for this podcast. France Fanon's um, Black Skin, White Masks. And I skimmed through it, and there's a part, and I'll, you guys might be familiar with this line of his, this famous line. Um, and he says, we revolt simply because for many reasons we can no longer breathe. And mm, I posted that the other day. Yeah. I posted it. She goes. Yeah, I have it. Hijacking ideas. And I have it annotated from when I read this a couple of years ago. Right. Going over it, like that really resonates with me the most because I feel like that's representative of everything that's happening right now. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Like literally, can't yeah. breathe. Right. You know? Yeah. Okay. Literally, yeah. literally, can't breathe.